You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We have special coverage of the Coronavirus Task Force briefing. Where he, the president just saying he's going to start that in about a half hour. You can listen to that right here on Bloomberg 99.1 FM. And now coming to us, Maddie Zuppler. She's on the line, founder of Forward Strategy, senior fellow at the National Taxpayers Union and former coalitions director for the House Republican Conference. Maddie Great to have you on on a Friday, and we're going to have you for two segments uh, on this Friday edition of, of Sound On. But, I, I, I mean, all right, they got the bill done. They got the bill done. Thankfully, Congressman Massey couldn't even stand in the way of it. What happens next, Maddie? What happens next is anyone's guess, Kev. But I'll give you my uh, my odds on what I think is going to happen next. So the president signed it into law. You saw that uh, uh, immediately after the almost immediately after the House passed it um, earlier this afternoon. There's a lot of discussion in Washington about a phase four and what that looks like. But frankly, what we need right now is swift implementation of this bill. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about what's in here, a lot of really good stuff. There's tax relief for businesses. Uh, There's individual payments going out the door. I've been talking for weeks about how individual payments might be a little bit of a sticking point because we just don't have the protocols in place to deliver that cash swiftly to all taxpayers. Uh, But we also have, obviously, direct aid going to some uh, industries. What we want to see is the federal government releasing guidelines that show with with clarity and precision how, in particular, small businesses can qualify for the aid that was in this bill. There's a lot of small business loans in this bill with different different requirements in them. What we really need are for small businesses to know how they can access that aid. That's how we know it will have an impact. And I've been saying, again, for weeks, had a couple op-eds out this week, talking about how the most important aspect of this bill is it creates aid, it creates support for small businesses and employers to hold on to their employees, even if those people can't work, right, because we're all under different varying forms of quarantine um, in shelter and places. But businesses now can not only hold on to those employees because they have helped to cover payroll costs, they can also rehire folks that they had to let go as a result of the coronavirus. So hopefully that creates a little bit of certainty um, and certainly will help workers who are uncertain about what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months for them. If they can keep that attachment with that employer, that, of course, will be a big ease on anxieties for households across the country. Maddie Zubler's on the line. She's been in the trenches of this before uh, when she's worked on the Hill as the House Republicans Coalition's director. Maddie, I mean, I, I just, you know, here we are on a Friday afternoon. The stock's... You know, ending up for the week, thankfully. You know, it was a better week than last. So the market. Better week than last. Still, yeah. Still, it's still, still. I love the dip at the close, into the close. 
But I mean, you know, it could have been worse, right? It could always be worse. It's totally could have been worse. Right? Yeah, don't don't get me wrong there, Kev. Totally could have been worse. But <laughs> but look, I mean, the the country is under. I would say virtually all Americans are under shelter in place, and it. You know, we were talking about this on our staff meeting earlier. On we don't use Zoom. We use Nexi. You know, the video conferencing. But anyway, okay. day fifteen is Tuesday, and now all of this debate. Publicly, privately, behind the scenes, everywhere, everyone's talking about will portions of the country be able to reopen? And that's Maddie Dupler, where my, that's what's on my radar as we uh-huh. head into as we head into to next week. So here's the deal. Here's the way I look at this: is that any decision to quote unquote reopen requires data. We have to know who has the virus, how they recover. And once they recover, like who those people are. Um, and we also have to know what the rate of incidence is. And I don't think that we have that data, both from other countries. Um, and we certainly don't have enough of that for the United States because we haven't done testing long enough to know. So what we're seeing right now in Italy is probably a good example of transparency with them gathering that data and then sharing the full scope of how the crisis is affecting them. But Across the world, we have seen different regimes in how we take that data, but also different uh, different responses to the virus itself. So that means that we're not only unclear on how the virus is spreading, but we're also unclear on what measures actually work to contain it, because every country's response has been just a little bit different. So as we move through this, hopefully we continue to see numbers come down. Uh, you know, I mentioned Italy has a good template for data, but of course they have seen a little bit of a tick up uh, in, in in fatalities for the virus there. So we hope that that quickly gets under control and that the people there who are affected can get the aid and the help that they need. But we need to know how that's happened, how this is right. happening in the United States, and we need to know what we're doing to contain it before we can even consider getting rid of the containment measures we have put in place. Maddie, here, you know, and, and I got to take folks behind the scenes for a second. If you're just joining us, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Maddie Duppler's on the line, you know, House Republican Insider, was the former coalition's director on the Hill. Did you ever run into Massey when you were on the Hill, Maddie? <laughs> I sure did. So I worked, my time on the Hill began in 2014, which was a super interesting time to be um, a part of the governing majority because, of course, this was when the House Freedom Caucus really started to have its uh, its nadir in, in right, the House right. conference. And what was Massey like? So, well, so, you know, I don't want to comment individually on any conversations or right. experiences I had with members while I'm up there, but listen, uh, ethos, I think, that, it, that was on display today was the notion that there's some there's some kind of like overarching principle that can be applied to every single situation. And that's not the case. That's not where we are. Like right now we are in unprecedented times and that doesn't mean we're on the brink of an economic collapse. I mean, listen, listen. So, so here I am, I'm working from home. Bloomberg has been so incredibly good to me. They convert, they made a studio in my, uh, I saw an Instagram. It's it's, impressive. It's right outside of the kitchen, but, but I'm serious. I mean, I'm talking and texting and calling staffers, members all throughout the day. They're livid. Both sides of the aisle. I'm not going to out anybody, but they're livid. You know why they're upset? 
because they're watching the same news that you and I are watching, Matty Dupler, and they're listening to the yeah. same guidelines of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, President Trump, Vice President Pence, Speaker Pelosi, for that matter, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for that matter. <laughs> Everyone is saying, be socially distant. Don't go out. Stay inside. Do your part. Flatten the curve. And yeah. we wake up this morning to the sergeant of arms and the and the house physician or the congressional physician mm-hmm. issuing new guidelines of how they're going to have to essentially walk into the house chamber right. sp- steps apart from one another because of one grandstander, Congressman Massey. It, folks, and if you think I'm on a soapbox, I'm not. Because former Secretary of State John Kerry tweeted (laughs) in agreement with President Trump. They actually agreed on this. I I, I mean, because if you think about it, the procedural hiccup that Congressman Massey, I hope it was worth it, Congressman, the procedural hiccup where he had to put every single member on an airplane, leaving their Mm -hmm. constituents, leaving their families as folks that are in this bill are trying to figure out precisely how to get access to the loans, how to get access to the grants, how to get that check that they so desperately need right now. And instead of being of service to the constituents, these members had to whipsaw their way back to Washington to do this type of a vote. That ended up Massey's stunt didn't even pass. So, I, I mean, you know, I just don't see it, Maddie, but maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. Kev, I'm with you. I mean, what we need most right now are leaders who lead by example, right? And it seems like a lot of Americans, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are, we've seen circumstances where some Americans are struggling with these these quarantine rules and the social distancing. At the very least, we should have members of Congress who are able to demonstrate how important that is um, and not having to come back to Washington simply to prevent a political stunt from happening. Did you see today how they actually had members up in like the visitors gallery yep. in the, um, in the house so that they could, they could try and keep these members as distant as possible. Cause remember too, the average age of an elected member of Congress is in the, in the, in the, the risk zone. I, I, Boris I Johnson, a guess of what it is, but it's up there. And Boris Johnson, we find out in the last 24 hours has tested positive for it coming up. I believe we're going to mm-hmm. check in. With a, we're moving our schedule around because President Trump's going to speak at 5.30, and we're going to carry that. But we might be checking in with one of our colleagues in the industry across the pond. Uh, Maddie, in like the 90 seconds that we have left here, you know, I, I, I just I, – I, all the conversations I'm having about economic stimulus of 4.0, I don't know what we're going to call it, is that this is about two months out. Does that does that mesh with your timetable that they want to see where we are two months from now before another stimulus I, package comes? Yep, I think it depends on how the relief package can be implemented quickly. Now, um, I would expect to see in about a month for that conversation to grow a little bit more serious about what additional measures are needed, um, and we'll have to see how the aid gets out the door quickly. Because if it can get out the quickly, it will be if it gets out the door quickly, it will be decisive and it will have an impact. If Washington continues to dither with application and administration of this law, then we're going to have problems from the second or fourth, excuse me, aid package more quickly than two months from now. Maddie, do me a favor. Stay on the line. Uh, we have a, a, a little bit more coming up with Maddie. And coming up, I believe we're going to check in with Congressman Judy Chu uh, about the, the signing of the bill. If you're just joining us, President Trump just signed into law the economic stimulus bill. He just signed it into law. It is a law. Relief is on the way. Pick up the phone. Call your banker. Call your Call the Small Business Administration. Get in touch with folks to see what you can qualify for to navigate through these 
very difficult times. I'm Kevin Sirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Trump's press conference, just under 20 minutes. Listen to it here. This is Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We made it to Friday. We made it through week two of whatever this is, COVID-19, this this whole debacle. Anyway, Maddie Duppler's on the line, Republican insider, uh, former coalition director to the House Republican Conference, and the uh, CEO and founder, I believe, of Forward Strategies. Maddie, do okay. me a favor. Play this forward for... Uh, Play this forward for next week. What is the one thing on Monday and Tuesday people should be looking out? And then I'll let you go. Well, so like I said before, the federal government needs to offer extremely clear and simple guidelines for how Americans actually access the aid. They should be telling Americans how they will um, be receiving the individual checks that were in the Senate bill. And I would expect that you see a lot from the president's coronavirus tax as they continue to talk about what the American picture looks like and what we're doing to contain it. You saw the president today decided to use the Defense uh, Procurement Act, that's what he stands for in the, in the defense in the DPA, uh, to try and get the GM facilities to uh, create more ventilators. I think we'll see more of that kind of executive action uh, because we will continue to see case numbers rise, but that's also a product of continuing to see more testing. So just more information is always better rather than less in times like these and unprecedented times. And we need the federal government to lead uh, in those arenas where they can provide clarity and safety right. for Americans uh, when when much is needed. Maddie Doppler, I'll talk with you later. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate Thanks, it, Kev. my friend. Okay. <clears throat> Joining us on the Take line. Thank you. You too. Joining us on the line now is Congresswoman Judy Chu, a Democrat from California. Congresswoman, we just heard it from Maddie right there. So so let me let me ask you this. It's signed into law. President Trump just signed into law. The uh, the disaster relief bill. Where do people go if they want to find out how they can access the tools that you all worked so hard on to get this to, to the people? Well, there will be quite a bit of information coming out on how exactly to access this, uh, but in particular from the different uh, departments that are in charge. Um, and so we will be finding uh, more information, in particular about the unemployment insurance about uh that that uh, certainly would be from the department of labor uh with regard to the small business loans that would be from the small business administration so these various departments will be um giving this information very very right. soon and you can go folks if you're just joining us go to sba as a dot gov slash disaster Again, that's the Small Business Administration, sba.gov slash disaster. And that's the main website for the Small Business Administration for the disaster uh, uh, assistance. So sba.gov slash disaster to access that information. Congresswoman Chu, I got to ask you, though, first of all, are you in D.C. or did you leave after the vote? Uh, no, I'm uh, here in uh, Los Angeles. Because you weren't probably able to even get out here as a result of the stunt that Congressman Massey uh, 
pulled. Can you kind of walk us through what happened as an insider's account into the drama of Congressman Massey that happened today? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> look at how incredible it was that both the Senate and the House, the Democrats and the Republicans, were able to agree on this bill, uh, a bill that would provide an unprecedented amount of disaster relief to everyday Americans who are so worried about the future. And so we thought that uh, we would be able to pass the this bill through a voice vote. Uh, and what does that mean? Voice- Just because... You and I know what that means, but a voice vote. Explain to folks what that means. A voice vote means that there is unanimous agreement um, that uh, the bill will pass without people having to cast their own individual vote. A.K.A. So, flying into town. Exactly. And remember that we have well, now we have four uh, members of Congress that have uh, been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Uh, we have several that are in quarantine, and then there are people like myself, the West Coasters, who are um, told to stay in place, but also are having hard times getting um, uh, getting flights back. Right. Um, so there were a, a number of logistical difficulties in getting the whole house back. Besides the fact that uh, we had uh, a new policy on on social distancing in the house itself, so. Um, we thought that it could have passed by this so-called voice vote, uh, but it required that nobody uh, require a roll call vote. But Thomas Massey did, and um, even though he had been implored by many, including his own um, leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy, to not do it. Um so uh, he went ahead and did it, uh, but thank goodness uh, there were enough people in the audience to establish a quorum, and through their quorum, uh, they were able to uh, determine that the voice vote did not have to uh, stop, that his, his, his demand for a roll call vote, that that, that uh, motion failed. I just don't understand that. I mean, I, I just can't even wrap my head around I just as we move forward here, what is the next step in this process uh, uh, next week? I mean, day 15 of the uh, of, of the 15 days ends midweek. Obviously, Virginia has uh, and the, the DMV area has shut down schools for uh, the rest for at least the next month. Washington or California has shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, other states uh, have have as well. So do you think we can even talk about reopening some businesses or, or whatnot, or what are you going to be looking for next week? I would be very, very cautious about that. Um, I think that we have to get our health system in order so that the testing is occurring and so that people can be treated. Uh, you may have seen that uh, the New York uh, system has been overwhelmed, and uh, now they're, they're they're parceling out to which of the 911 calls they can actually uh, answer. So uh, we are in a crisis, and we need to have those ventilators. We need to have the personal protective equipment. That's why this bill is so important, because it was a $200 billion investment in hospitals, health systems, and health research, and $150 billion for state and local governments 
to give them the resources that they need to shore up their localities during this emergency. Do you think eventually, though, I mean, I don't want to look, there's there's the cable news debates of, oh, can they reopen stuff by Easter and, and whatnot? But but do you think it's realistic over the next couple of months to have certain businesses returning or do you think it's just too early to tell? It's way too early to tell because we haven't even reached the peak of uh, the coronavirus in New York then it's expected to go to other states. And in fact, we could see a great increase here in California. So uh, we definitely need to see uh, how it is affecting the different states and whether our measures of stay in place are actually succeeding. We do know the numbers will increase. The question is by how much uh, so that um, we can make sure that our health system is not overwhelmed so that our health workers do not have to choose between one patient and another with regard to their treatment. Tell me something good to end the week. Just give me something optimistic, Congresswoman. Well, the fact that we were able to work together is major. And I um, don't oftentimes see uh, Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy standing side by side celebrating the victory of a bill. But uh, they worked together on this. And, in fact, they worked together in making sure that we had the quorum of members of Congress right there in the audience so that they could deal with this Thomas Massey situation. Had they not worked together, we would have been in a very different situation right this moment. You are kinder than I am to call it a, quote, unquote, situation, a Thomas Massey situation. Congresswoman Judy Chu, Democrat from California, I know that you're not going to have any rest this weekend because you got to tell everyone how they can access uh, this piece of legislation. But she's, of course, the Democrat from California. So appreciative, so appreciative of your time, Congresswoman. Have a great weekend. Stay healthy, okay? The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com. Thank you. All right. And now just to uh, reset here, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are awaiting President Donald Trump's daily coronavirus task force briefing. But did you see this news? Boris Johnson. I woke up this morning. I, I, I get out of bed. I check. I do my daily meditation. I, go, I walk right to the studio in the next room. And... I see on Twitter that Boris Johnson has the coronavirus, COVID-19. David Smith is the Guardian's Washington, D.C. bureau chief. He joins us from the telephone line. David Smith, Boris Johnson, I mean, this is no joke. This is no joke. I mean, this is wow. Yes, uh, I think a lot of people felt that way, sort of shocked by this news, the first uh, world leader to test positive uh, for the coronavirus. And... Um, so far, Johnson is still um, at work. Um, he says his symptoms are relatively um, mild. Um, there's been some criticism of him um, from uh, various health uh, officials and experts for 
not really practicing what he preaches, uh, not, not following the government's own advice in terms of social distancing, just being a bit too nonchalant about it. And, uh, and, and now there he is with the virus, uh, a temperature and, and a cough. And uh, reportedly, uh, government is functioning with um, him alone in self-isolation and uh, his food and his paperwork being, being left outside his office, uh, which he then goes to, goes to fetch. Um, obviously, questions around um, who else um, in that inner circle in government might be infected. Um, it does also include uh, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, um, who also tested positive. Uh, and the chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, has shown symptoms. So very worrying that the, the very people leading the coronavirus uh, response are, are themselves now uh, afflicted with it. David Smith is on the line. He's the Guardian's D.C. bureau chief. He's joining us from Washington, but obviously he's a Brit. So he, he know, and he's, you know, pulling double duty here. But can they give their press conferences? Can Boris Johnson appear on camera if he's in quarantine? Uh, he delivered his first message um, via a, a phone message, uh, a video he had recorded himself. Um, so perhaps we'll see more of that, uh, him, him Skyping or Zooming or FaceTiming and so on. But um, in the meantime, um, it was left to um, Michael Gove, uh, a senior government minister, to uh, deliver a press conference in Johnson's uh, absence. Um, He's not he even – so wait a minute. This is See, this is fascinating. Boris Johnson, he can't even address the country on camera. He has to do it via video phone? Uh, that's what's been happening so far. Wow. Um, I think they're, they're, wow. they're trying to get to grips with the situation. I mean, I guess in, in theory, um, some kind of camera could be put in his room. But I, I would not want to be that camera operator getting getting too close to him. Um, you know, we, we clearly are in um, ex- extraordinary times. But it's certainly very different from the days of... Uh, Winston Churchill uh, addressing the nation on the radio. You know, it really is truly remarkable. David Smith, as you as you cover Washington D.C. for the Guardian, uh, and as you obviously look back at, at at the U.K. and how they're handling this, how does the U.S. and the U.K. compare in their responses? You know, I see a lot of parallels, um, and um, it feels like the U.K. Uh, was just uh, a few days behind the U.S. in terms of all the same issues about uh, first downplaying it, uh, then sort of waking up and realizing how serious it was, and then finally Boris Johnson announcing a strict uh, lockdown, telling people not to leave their homes, which, uh, again, he did a few days after Donald Trump issued his um, guidelines on, on 15 days to stop the spread um, so I, I could also mark it by conversations I had with my parents who live on the south coast of the UK, who uh, a couple of weeks ago when I spoke to them, uh, it was just sort of coming into view, but uh, not an incredibly grave issue. And then one week later, they were in total lockdown and, and not leaving their uh, their apartment and uh, and dealing with the, the, the enormity of it. Uh, but the number of deaths in the UK is now 759. Uh, there are more than 14,000 confirmed cases, and, and, and rather like America, uh, all those same um, issues of social distancing, of, of uh, people being told not to leave their homes, the, uh, the, the economic uh, pain that that inflicts. One of the major coffee chains today is, is saying it could uh, just go out of business. It's had to lay a lot of people off. And, and again, a, a lot of the same controversies where uh, uh, Boris Johnson was accused of uh, downplaying it, of being very slow to respond, just as just as Trump was, 
and um, and again, a, a health system, uh, obviously a very different health system from the United States, but still with the same issues of being completely overwhelmed and uh, struggling to cope. Okay. All right. So so Matt Shirley, who's our, our esteemed producer booker, he just uh, sent in this question. I mean, you I see you in the press in the White House press room every other day, uh, and you, you've seen this administration. You've also seen the Obama administration. So, from your perspective, does the Trump administration have a proper plan for managing this crisis? No. Um, the, oh, the, wow! The Happy Friday, David. Obviously, it's been been widely criticized. I think with some justification as uh, a very sluggish response and. Um, you only have to look at uh, the mixed signal coming from Trump. How uh, I think it was uh, precisely a, a month ago he was making those statements about how this will disappear like a miracle one day, and talking about we'll get down to zero cases. Uh, some very precious time was lost um, in terms of preparedness, and um, you know we've seen the stories about briefings that were ignored and, and documents um, from past administrations just just not uh, read. Properly, um, and now um, here we are with the U.S. with the biggest caseload in the world and the death toll soaring, and and, and Trump still going back and forth. Uh, one moment uh, saying um, this is you know rather like the flu and will disappear in warm weather, and, and then the next um, pivoting and describing himself as a as a wartime uh, president, um, trying to strike a more somber tone. And, and then um, circling back the other direction, saying, you know, we're going to try and reopen big parts of the country uh, by Easter, um, you know, defying many of his own medical um, experts. So, uh, you know, what's fascinating is obviously for, for more than three years, uh, many critics and commentators said uh, Trump and America have been very lucky. There has not been a real acid test of his leadership. And everyone assumed that when that came, perhaps it would be some major military conflict, but, but instead um, it's come from a, an unexpected direction and uh, uh, many would give Trump a, a low grade for whether he's actually risen to the occasion so far. But, all right, David Smith, The Guardian's Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief, thank you so much. Follow him on Twitter at Smith in America. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Friday. Friday. You made it to Friday. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Did you see this? President Donald Trump ordered General Motors to make ventilators for the coronavirus patients, invoking a federal law that gives him vast powers over industry and crises and acting as the company is within weeks of starting production on, on the equipment. President Trump, in a statement, said he signed the memorandum, quote, directing the Secretary of Health and Human Services to use any and all authority available under the Defense Production Act to require General Motors to accept, perform, and prioritize federal contracts for ventilators. The Defense Production Act, folks, there it is. Remember, he was pressured about that. Is he going to use it? Is he not going to use it? He's really, well, said he didn't have to. He was praiseworthy of how various companies all across the country have been changing up their supply chains, moving things around and making masks. And you you hear it every day on the Bloomberg Terminal. You see these companies that are just really doing everything they can. How about the breweries, folks? Did you you hear about the breweries? They're not brewing beer anymore. 
They're brewing, they're brewing uh, hand sanitizer. I mean, everyone's pitching in. Everyone wants to do their part. Well, President Trump had it. He had it with GM. He assailed the company. And Mary Barra, Mary Barra, the, the CEO of GM, he tweeted against her, quote, Our negotiations with GM regarding its ability to supply ventilators have been productive, but our fight against the virus is too urgent to allow the give and take of the contracting process to continue to run its normal course. GM was wasting time. Wow. Joining us on the telephone line, my good friend, my good colleague, Stephen Dennis, who has been covering all things on Capitol Hill. But Dennis, Stephen Dennis, uh, let me ask you about this Mary Bear stuff in the Defense Production Act. I mean, wow, President Trump really taking it to GM. Yeah, I mean, the irony is is that GM had already announced they were going to start production, whether they got this contract with the government or not. They'd already been in talks, and they'd already started getting tooling uh, showing up at their uh, plant in in Indiana. And uh, but behind the scenes, there was you know some fighting with the government over how much money they were going to get. If uh, you know, there was uh, reports that the administration was not necessarily happy with how many ventilators they're going to get, how much it was going to cost. You know, could it ultimately end up being like a billion dollars? The thing is, is that, you know, we're just passing a $2 trillion emergency package because we have an overwhelmed hospital system and a healthcare system because of this whole situation. We need to be able to ramp up as fast as possible so that you don't have to slow the curve as much, right? So you end up with this, you know, this tension between getting the economy back up and running and lowering that curve and, and, the whole point is to get that curve below the capability of the healthcare system to handle it. Um, so any delay on the ventilators just it, it sort of boggles your mind. Even the president last night on Fox was saying he didn't think that we're going to need thirty or forty thousand ventilators. I was watching, and I was watching, and I and I was you know flipping through, and I, and you know they called into Hannity, and uh, you know kudos to Sean Hannity. He got a lot of information out of him, regardless of what, where your political opinions lie. Uh, he got a lot of information out of President Trump, and and to hear him say that, and then the next day, have him say, you know, use use that use his authority to to order GM. I thought that was remarkable. Stephen Dennis, you've been covering Capitol Hill today. What was going on with Thomas Massey? I still can't get this out of my head. <laughs> you know, I think he sees this as his Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment. Um... Well, he picked the wrong moment. Uh, and he kind of united the whole country, or at least certainly Congress and, and politicians against He him. united um, Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, and President John Trump. John Kerry just with the tweet of the day, probably, which we can't <laughs> say on the radio. But We can't. Go, folks. Folks, if you're not driving, pull over and watch John Kerry's tweet. It's, it's, uh, you, can't, you can't make it up. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that um, – you know, Massey's one of these guys who who like calls himself a constitutionalist, and he's like, "This we should take roll call votes and this that, and the other." Um, and in the meantime, we have members of the House and the Senate now who've gotten this potentially deadly virus, and he's forcing hundreds of them to get on airplanes, um, get on trains come here and do what you're not supposed to do, meet in a building um, with a bunch of senior citizens. 
<laughs> a lot of them are senior citizens. You know, Nancy Pelosi. See, I can't even laugh about yesterday. it. The ego of this guy. I can't even laugh about it because, because look, not only did he put people's health at risk, that he put people's families' health at risk. He also kept lawmakers from being able to educate their constituents on where to go to get the money that they so desperately need right now in this time of crisis. And if you, and not just the waiting for the check to go into your bank account, but to access grants, to access loans. And remember, go to sba.gov slash disaster, Small Business Administration, sba.gov slash disaster to get some more information about how you can yeah. get some of that money. But Stephen Dennis, I mean, the, I, you know, I'm a sports fan. Okay, yeah. and, and I was my one escape throughout all of this barrage of, of just horrific news. Well, the 76ers, the NBA, I'm reading from SB Nation, the NBA's decision to suspend the 2019-20 season due to the coronavirus put the team and arena employees around the league in an unfortunate financial position like any other like any other state. Uh, so you've got the Sixers who they decided that they were going ESPN reported that the Sixers were going to ask at will team employees to take a 20% salary reduction if they were making more than 50,000 a year. This was on Monday. Okay, this is what the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers wanted people to do. It was so egregious. And here's a a, a guy on the team who quite frankly I've been a little, you know, wishy-washy on Joel Embiid. <laughs> Okay, Joel Embiid comes out, and now I'm his biggest fan because I thought what he did was pure class, pure Philadelphia class. He comes out, and he says, absolutely not. Here's $500,000 for anyone who's affected at-will employees, and it, it caused this employee, caused the owner to back off. I thought it was genius. So then I, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm texting staffers, and this is the reality, folks, is that these staffers and their families – I mean, they're just as nervous as anyone else, and they can't work. Some of them can't work from home. A lot of them are working from home, but several of these people cannot work from home. And so when Thomas Massey puts a stunt like this, it is so, Stephen Dennis, I, I have never seen anything like this in my 10 years covering this. Have you? Uh, I've seen things where, a, you know, Rand Paul's forced a government shutdown for uh, a day. Um, that was yeah, but probably not, not the like closest. Um, that's the closest that I can remember. Where you know we, we literally shut down the government for a day because Rand Paul wanted to make a point. But still, this is a different situation in our country where you know the, it, the contrast to Massey. You know he he uh, is standing up trying to get other people to force a roll call vote today, and he's the only one standing. Right, so there is a unanimity in the in the Congress to not hold this thing up, um, and so in some ways, you know, this country, the Congress, united this week in a way that I've never seen. Right, you know, something passing ninety six to zero, this expensive a package, essentially passing with one or two dissenting, you know, no votes on the House floor today. Really remarkable unity, and then of course you just have you know the background of a very divided country politically. Um, you know we're in election year. You know the president had a signing ceremony, did not invite the Democrats uh, to you know this afternoon. Um, there's just you know people are sniping at each other and then saying, but you know let's all pull together. I mean 
it's just remarkable that it's just two things going on at the same time, this incredible divisiveness and most of the country trying to pull together and uh, and move forward. Stephen Dennis is on the line, Bloomberg's uh, ace political reporter. Uh, what are you grilling this weekend? You're going to get to unwind. You're a griller, if you don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I grilled uh, some steaks last night. Um, that was a good, you know, that was a good break from having to read these thousand-page bills in thirty minutes and try to <laughs> try to <laughs> try to figure out where the hidden billions of dollars and, and goodies are. Uh, so that was good. All right. Well, listen. Uh, keep grilling, brother. All right. All right. Keep up the great work, and we we're appreciative of all the great work that you're doing as well. That's Stephen Dennis, everybody, who's just been doing. Wow. I mean, the coverage of, of that team has just been so amazing. And not just at Bloomberg. I, I got to give shout out to the whole industry because, uh, you know, they everyone's been pulling their load. And we're not special. I'm not I'm not glorifying the media. I'm not one of those people. Joining us on the line, Luis Schiavone. She's journalist, senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Business School, the Luis Schiavone. Luis, thanks for joining us. How are you? How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm you know. Um, I, it's a great, it, it's a horrible story, but it's a great story, right? It's not a great story. Have... I totally disagree. I don't come on this show and say when people, I'm not even joking. Listen, this is the this worst is story I've, I've ever minute. covered. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. When I say it's a great story, I mean that it gives us an opportunity to do what we do best. What yes. is the most important thing for us to do? And that is to inform people. Agreed. And, that's that is my definition of a great story. It's it's information that people need to know, and if you have an opportunity to do it as a professional journalist to the highest standards that a professional journalist can, then it is a great story. I, I you know look, and we've been saying this, this is probably the fourth plug I've given to sba.gov/disaster, but I'm going to keep doing it because I know there are a lot of people out there who want to know how can they get information on this two plus trillion dollar economic stimulus package that just planned. Every lawmaker, I've interviewed Republicans on this show and on Bloomberg Television. I've interviewed Democrats on this show and on Bloomberg Television this week. And you know what they say? Pick up the phone, call your banker. Your banker will know where to go. Call your local office for your lawmaker. Ask them the question. They are there as a resource, and this is when you need them. But the Small Business Administration just got a ton of money out. So if you're looking for a loan or you want more information or you want to see, call your banker, call your local lawmaker, or go to sba.gov slash disaster. That's not Kevin Cirilli telling you that. That's based upon my reporting that both sides of the aisle are saying. Luis, where does this story go next week? Where does this story go on once the 15 days is over? Well, you know, I think that the humanity of the story is still uh, center stage. And where the story goes next week, where the story goes the week after that, is that we are seeing, you know, according to the governor of New York and uh, according to people who have seen the progress of this virus, uh, it can only expand in terms of cases, in terms of mortality. And so that is where the story is going. It is it is a story that has, of course, a, a gazillion business uh, 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 tentacles to it. But it is it is profoundly a human story. It has changed the way we live. It has changed the way we work. Uh, it has changed our response to crisis, and all of this is changing our DNA as a people. 
You know, it is remarkable. Just some breaking news now that the president's press conference has been postponed until 6 p.m. Eastern. So uh, the president of the United States, Trump, he's going to give this press conference, the Coronavirus Daily Task Force briefing. It's in about 10 minutes time. You can catch that here on Bloomberg Radio. Uh, Luis, I, you know, one of the things that that I'm talking about with my colleagues a lot, as well as with, um, uh, you know, the lawmakers I, I interview daily and, and is this this next round of economic stimulus. And they're saying it's about two months out. The economic data that's about to pummel this country over the next eight weeks, it's going to be devastating. And you don't even need to be an economist. You don't need to have a PhD to look at it because you can just experience it. Um, is two months too far out for the next round of stimulus, Luis? You know, I, I'm really the wrong person to ask. I mean, I think um, that they've got to get this round out first. And what's interesting is that there's a story today that the head of the International Monetary Fund said today that the global economy has now entered a recession that could be as bad or worse than the 2009 downturn. Now, what we're seeing is a lot of businesses – uh, and especially um, the financial sector, as, as you've mentioned, cutting people a lot of slack in terms of their mortgage payments, uh, in terms of business payments, people stepping up if they can bear the burden, people uh, listening to um, listening to those who cannot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really acute. And, uh, look, you know, how can you responsibly – distribute this amount of money you just and i think that that is that is a concern so so is two months too long i think you have to look at it in terms of uh what can you do responsibly that's a great answer all right we've just gotten the two-minute warning for president trump's press conference to begin again president trump you can listen to that press conference we just got the two-minute warning from the white house you can listen to that right here on bloomberg radio louise so with that said um and if i cut you off it's to toss to to the president so i i apologize in advance uh but with that said just the final question to go here is do you think it's smart to open up parts of the country that don't have to that where the data says that this isn't as significant of a problem you know all the medical professionals who have really been at sort of ground zero of this say that you have to be so so careful it would be one thing if we were not really not just a country but a world where everybody just stayed in one place Right. But, you know, you have you have people, you know, from New York City, you know, going to to parts of Oklahoma, <laughs> you have people from California traveling to Canada. I mean, you have to ask yourself, well, what is the vector of this virus? It seems to be extremely contagious, uh, extremely infectious, extremely deadly for many of the people who get it. And there's no vaccine and there is no identified treatment for it. So, so you know, always ask yourself, well, how much how much danger are you willing to put your parents in, right? I know. That's what you have to ask. None. I'm not putting my parents in any danger. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.